I think we're all honestly a little tired of being told how to raise our kids. That's part of why we homeschool. But the truth is, there are times when we all need a little guidance. You're going to enjoy our guest today, homeschooling dad Tom Weishar, here to discuss the Catholic model for family and parenting. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today I'm delighted to have as my guest Tom Weishar here to talk about the Catholic model for family and parenting. Tom Weishar, MALPC, is a pastoral counselor with the Pastoral Solutions Institute, who is passionate about homeschooling. He works with Catholics around the world who are dealing with mental health issues, ranging from anxiety, depression, trauma, relationship issues, and more. As an advisor on the Catholic Home app, he helps Catholic families develop skills to build the domestic church, the family. He lives in Steubenville, Ohio with his wife, Jackie, and their three children. You can find Tom at CatholicCounselors.com. I've got that link in the show notes along with the Catholic Home app. And uh, do check it out. It sounds just like it's doing fantastic things. Tom, welcome back to the show. It's good to see you. Oh, thank you so much. It's always a joy, Lisa. Oh, yeah. We have so much fun. The The Spirit of Our Lady and the Holy Spirit always is so much of a part of our conversations and, and I know is in many of your homes, for those of you listening. We just want to come step into this place of moms and dads getting overwhelmed by the cacophony of parenting advice. We can feel like we're getting scolded all day long. So how can the church help us cut through that noise and discern the best model for our unique family? You know, Lisa, I I love the way you're kicking things off too, because you even you even opened with as homeschoolers, we don't we don't want someone preaching at us. And I'm gonna be very clear that we are gonna be having a talk about um you know homeschooling, about parenting, but uh um absolutely I'm not I'm not gonna be preaching at you at at any point because I'm gonna make it abundantly clear that I'm right down there in it with everybody else. And I have uh, an inspirational story toward that end to kick things off. So my wife and I, we have a um, um, we have a friend. A couple years ago, she was homeschooling. She was feeling overwhelmed, so she went to prayer. And in prayer, she prayed, "God, I'm not sure whether I should be doing this. I feel totally overwhelmed. God, give me a sign." And a couple days went by. She didn't think about much of anything at all. And then one day in the mail, there was a box, and she opened up the box. And what did she find in the box but a sign? Her brother-in-law had sent her a sign for her homeschool, and it said, Mom is the teacher. And she hung it up on the wall, and she said, Okay, God, you heard me. I'm going to hear you. And since then, she's been an amazing homeschooling mom. And um, you know, I know we're, we're at a point right now where I, I don't know exactly when the podcast will come out, we're at the beginning of February, which we always say is the longest, shortest month of the year. And my wife always <laughs> says, when you're a homeschooler, you never want to make a major life decision in the month of February. And um, so whether it's February or any month, you're feeling overwhelmed out there. I just want everybody to know that God is faithful and God is listening and God is responding. So um, just a, a, a little word of, of inspiration to kick things off. But another thing that you talked about, Lisa, that I really love is this sense of cacophony, right? This noise that's out there in the parenting world. And the parenting world is full of books and ideas. Um, they're not rooted in Christ for the most part. And many of them uh, send a message somewhat like this. Well, if you just read my book and you just do this one thing, then your life is going to be a utopia. Everything's going to fall into place. Everything's going to be fantastic. And you might get the book. You might read the book. You might use that one thing. And it might help you out. It might be a good thing, a useful thing, but it's not going to make your life a utopia. And there's a good reason for that, because nothing will. But, but what, we, what we can have, though, um, is an approach to parenting 
that is authentically rooted in Christ and um, that has a depth, a richness, a complexity. Toward that end, Greg Popcheck of uh, Pastoral Solutions, he, um, he turned to the magisterium of the Catholic faith for a model, and in particular to Mary's Pope, the Pope St. John Paul II. And he has the teachings of theology of the body, and um, theology of the body has to do with human sexuality, but it actually has so much, um, it, it has to do with so much more, including different ways that we're parenting, forming, and raising children. And then Pope St. John Paul II is also a major proponent of the liturgy. He calls it the source and summit of the Catholic faith. So Greg took both of those things and he combined it into his liturgy of domestic church life model. It has three rites. The first one is the right of Christian relationship. And uh, in that, we're uh, practicing um, uh, the formation of children in loving discipleship. So it's it's loving, but it's also discipline. There's also discipleship. There's the right of rituals of family connection, which is all about praying, talking, working, and playing together as a family. And finally, there's the right of reaching out, which has to do with going forth as a family to serve the church and the world. So um, just about everything we're going to be talking about today is uh, going to fit somewhere within that model. Wow. Ooh, I'm getting the holy shivers. This is so cool and so rich already. All right. So just take your time and break it down for us. What mm -hmm. is it really? What do these things look like? And what are kind of the, the touchstones for us to, to go? Um, and I love the holy, holy shivers. I can feel it too, Lisa. <laughs> Mary's interceding. The spirit is moving. Praise God. You know, <laughs> like I um, and I uh, people should be excited first and foremost, because I will give you a little bit of a look ahead. And we're going to be dropping some bombs in this podcast, Lisa, just right. a little. So people better better make sure the trade tables are, are locked in the upright position. <laughs> we're going to have we're going to have some really big things. There are going to be some twists and turns. There's there are going to be elements of a roller coaster here. It's going to be like a B2 bomber mission and a roller coaster combined. So it's going to be good. So, you know, y'all get ready. Get excited. Uh, see, so uh, um, just everybody just want you to notice what a son of Mary sounds like. Go, Tom, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. my wife and I were talking about temperaments a while a while ago. And what my wife would say is choleric. The son of Mary sounds very choleric, that passion, you know, the, the yes. fire, the fire. She's the spouse of the spirit. And if you're a son of her, you're going to you're going to feel it. So, um, you know, first of all, I'll talk about what um, what the model of parenting doesn't look like. So um, there are lots of different um, parenting styles out there. There's the authoritarian style, which is very much the style of older generations. And um, uh, it's the style that says, um, uh, because I told you so, um, you know, <laughs> we're going to give you the rules. These are the rules. You're going to follow it because I told you so. Ironically, the authoritarian style says, I love Jesus. Therefore, you need to love Jesus. And if you, if you question me about this in any way, I'm going to demonstrate Jesus's love to you by shouting you down. Not necessarily the best, the best approach to parenting, right? But on the other end of the spectrum, we have the permissive styles of younger generations too. The Zamboni parents, they're going to clear all the messes out of the way. They're going to make sure everybody gets their participation trophy. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's gotten so far nowadays that it's really kind of like um, some parents are going out there, not sure of what to do, so they don't do anything, and then they act like that's an approach to parenting, that it's actually intentional. And um, it's dangerous because uh, the reality of our, our lives, our culture, our world today is that if you don't raise disciplined, intentional Catholics um, in your home uh, for you know, and do that in your children's formation, then they're not going to stay Catholic very long once they actually hit the world. So what we really need is something in the middle, um, not the authoritarian style, not the permissive, but an authoritative style, a style that is loving, but that still instills discipline. And um, a coworker of mine, Dave McLeod, who is spectacular, he came up with this and it's so good. I could never come up with this, but he points to the prodigal son. The prodigal son is, is excessively lax and his older brother is excessively rigid. He has the hard heart at the end of the parable. And what um, God is really telling us in the parable is that 
He wants us to be right in the middle, to be a beloved son or daughter of God. And so much of the authoritative or of the uh, of the authoritative style is about raising children to be a beloved son or a beloved daughter of God. Now, how does that look? So um, uh, there are two really practical, vivid examples. Um, the, uh, a surprising word's going to come up here. And that surprising word for this style of parenting is collaborative. It's going to be collaborative that that um, there's going to be an inviting in and an interaction in this style that most people don't associate with parenting and that yet is super authentically Catholic. So um, first example, let's say uh, in the past, your family has had events and you've gone out to the events and it hasn't gone well. Well, what uh, an, an authoritative parent is going to do at, is at a mealtime or sometime when everyone's gathered around um, and everyone's calm to say, hey, we have another event coming up. And these are some problems that we had at this event the last time. What do you guys think are some ways we can do better here? And so you're inviting the children to share ideas, part of the problem solving process, and then collaboratively you're solving the problem with the children. And um, the second example I've got is an iconic one. For anybody with um, little children, um, it's the tantrum, right? We all we all deal with it. Well, when a child tantrums, it's like a computer that loses its Wi-Fi. The mind, the brain goes offline. So what you need to do is set the child aside. You can even say, hey, I'm not punishing you. Um, I'm just setting you aside so you can calm down right now. You wait until the child's calm. And then you ask this almost surprising question, what were you trying to accomplish? And you really listen to your child. So um, your child's sharing with you what they were really trying to accomplish. And then you explain, well, that's not going to work for our house rules or for mom's and dad's needs. But you ask them the question, what is a way that you can meet those needs of yours that is going to work with our house rules, that is going to work with what, what mom and dad need? And the child's learning two really important things here. One, they're learning that mom and dad are people who can handle things, that they can take things to mom and dad, and mom and dad are going to listen and interact and really work out something that's going to be better next time. But the child, even more importantly, is learning something about herself or himself. And that one lesson is, I am capable. I am capable when I'm having a tough time of coming up with effective solutions that meet my needs. Wow, that's so good. And as a coach, I'm hearing that open-ended exploratory questions that actually you're not abdicating your authority, the difference between authoritarian and authoritative is owning that God-given authority as a parent to guide, to mold, to set the standards. But I love that it evokes the child's own leadership, their own um, thinking process, their own rational soul to move into that space and beyond their feelings, not to be criticized or put down for having feelings, but to, to be helped to have the track work in themselves for their whole future, to be able to say, okay, what was underneath that for me? What was I reaching for? And what's possible here? What's appropriate here? It's just so beautiful, Tom. Amen. I couldn't agree more. And what you just described, Lisa, is the very foundation for intimacy. And um, so many of the issues that children struggle with later on in life is because in their childhood, they lack a sense of intimacy and connection with their parents. And then they develop coping mechanisms later on where they're trying to meet those needs in really unhealthy ways. And um, I, I think that that really nails it. Mm, thank you so much. That's so rich. So a collaborative style, inviting, discussing, getting underneath. Um, yeah. So so is that what you, how you would kind of give us that framework for the child that's struggling or the event that didn't go well is to invite 
you know, everyone to kind of ideate into it together. Um, but just to make clear, obviously, the parents are kind of the CEOs and make the final decisions, right? We're not talking about putting them at the wheel of the car before, um, before and, they're ready. You know, and that's, and that's <laughs> the balance. You know, we always, we've always gone from rail to rail. You know where it's I uh, um you know it's all it's all authority or um you know and and no love or it's all love and no authority and um it is very much about finding that balance and that and that really in a lot of ways segues into one thing I want to bring up because um because we've talked about now what you do when your child is struggling. When your child is tantruming, how about you? How about what do you, what do you do when you're struggling? And Lisa, here we are at the first bomb. We're gonna we're gonna drop that first bomb. I want you to get out the shark because I'm about to jump it. Um, I'm I'm gonna ask this million dollar question, and I'm only gonna charge you a hundred thousand dollars for it. I'll send you the PayPal link. I also take Venmo. Um, the question is this, that the uh, the biggest thing that families I encounter today, what they're wondering is how do we safeguard our family against the biggest issues of our time that, that face young people? Everything from gender and sexuality to drugs to body image issues, panic attacks, social anxiety, porn. Um, so many big hot button issues face young people in the family today. And how do we safeguard our family? And um, the, uh, the answer is surprising. So, uh, you know, do you need to, to limit your child's um, screen time? Yes, you need to limit your child's screen time. You need to monitor your child's screen time extensively. Um, but, um, but that's not the most fundamental thing you can do. The most fundamental thing you can do is to learn what is in your child's heart and to talk to them about it. So if you're feeling lost, the number one thing you need to do is figure out how am I going to learn what's in my child's heart and how can I talk to them about it? Um, there are rituals of family connection where you can spend lots of good quality time together. What Greg always says that I love is cars run on gas and families run on time. What my uh, what my wife says that I I really love about that is it's not just quality time it's quantity time when you're in a family so you need to be be together if you have older kids you need to be having one on one conversations with them that give them a chance to open up and to understand what's in their hearts I've I've had to step in with younger clients in many different situations with these hot button issues. And whenever we get beyond the actual issue, and I'm in deep relationship with that client, what I discovered time and time again is an amazing human being. That's the honest to goodness truth. An amazing human being who's passionate about something. A lot of them are different personalities, passionate about different things, but they are. And no one, I mean no one in their lives is really listening, really appreciating, and really talking to them about it. The real surprising final way I'm going to address things here is that pot angles has the cure to what ails the modern family. Because if you read the little house books, he always knows what's in Laura's heart and he talks to her about it. Ooh, I love that so much. We, we really enjoyed those books when our daughter was little. Um, just want to say that as you were talking, so much was resonating and really landing with me because our daughter's in her 20s now. And there were so many late at night times when she just needed to unveil her heart. And even if I had to be up early the next morning, I wouldn't trade those two o'clock in the morning times where there were tears, there were worries, there was talking, and then at the end of it, lightheartedness and laughter, that there was a sense of unburdening and unfolding. And also the many times when we were doing windshield time, you know, in the car where there was no pressure to talk, but the talking unfolded because we were doing something together or washing dishes together or gardening or whatever it might be. Sometimes just being side by side with adolescence gives them the opportunity without being over-focused on, like in the spotlight, to just kind of unveil their hearts. Um, 
what are some ways that you kind of help yourself into that place with your kids, Tom? Because your kids are younger, mm. um, but but I'm sure you have tips for the older kids too. What does it look like to get to know their hearts? Amen. I think you give beautiful examples, actually, Lisa, because so much of what we do looks like what you do. You know, a, a leisure is a big thing that comes up. My wife, praise God, my wife is passionate about leisure and um, in uh, leisure. And I mean this leisure, you know, who is leisure for? Leisure is for everyone, especially in the homeschooling world, right? My wife and I have talked many times, you know, homeschooling has gone from, well, you know, a generation before ours, it was much more um, of, uh, well, there's one co-op and people are going to get together and they're going to do homeschooling, you know, to our generation, which um, is this explosion of options, right? And there are like a jillion options <laughs> out there and you can customize and things, which is great in a lot of ways because you can really, really make your vision happen. But um, uh, it can be challenging at times, too, because when you're trying to come together as community, there's not you're not just all like you can't just be like, well, we're all homeschoolers. So we must have must have lots of common ground. But that's really relevant here because we have this whole spectrum of homeschooling. Who is leisure for? Leisure is for everyone, whether you're that totally unstructured um, unschooler. Whether you've got, you know, curriculum to the max, structure to the max, leisure is for everyone. Because even if you've got structure to the max, you need to schedule in leisure. If you're not a homeschooler, you need to schedule in leisure. Um, and uh, we all need to guard our schedules. Overbooking is one of the worst things. And not intentionally prioritizing is one of the worst things. Why is leisure so important. Well, it's it's important for um, um, two huge reasons. The first one is that leisure gives the imagination time to work, and it gives children time to play. And what my wife says about this, I'm sure she's quoting somebody, but I love this one, is play is the work of children. And that if we're not giving them leisure, we're not really let them letting them work toward becoming well-formed, awesome adults. But every bit is important. There's that number two thing, which um, you uh, uh, you totally mentioned, which is if we don't have the leisure, there's not going to be an adequate sense of comforting uh, and comfort and a chance to open where kids can really share what's going on in their lives. And um, in, in tragic cases like that, and I hear about them from people at older ages all the time, from when they were younger, the, the child is left alone and um, unsupported and um, uncomforted a, a, lot of, a lot of the time. And both the, the um, intellectual problem solving uh, support is so important. And then, of course, at the most fundamental level, the, uh, the emotional comfort. Mm, so good. Look at what I, the word childlike is coming to me. Like we ourselves have to stay childlike before the Lord and be in time that is not striving and productivity oriented. Yes, intentionally set aside as we do with the Sabbath, but time for us to be together and to be childlike in imagination, in that place of connection and, and hearts unveiling and all of that. Um, it, we ourselves have to have a level of trust and childlikeness before the Lord in order to step into that time. And I realize how much of a struggle that is because we can have such long lists every day that we can feel like we're virtuous if while the kids are having their screen time, we're catching up on tasks and we're just never really to as together as maybe we could be. Amen. I give that such a big amen. And that totally leads into something that I wanted to talk about. It just nails it because I wanted to snark and get the snark box out a little bit. And <laughs> what I'm looking to snark on is something that is so relevant to what you're saying, which is the wide world of Instagram. I would like to thank Instagram, Lisa, because almost every time I go out on Instagram, there's some mom 
who's talking about how she did 50 arts and crafts in her day. And she did hours of homeschooling. And then they did a homeschooling field trip. And then she made dinner from scratch. And then after that, they homemade candles. And everything's just so fabulous. And it's so perfect. And um, and by the way, you know, she's going to go ahead and she's going to imply that if you're not doing all those things, you're somehow failing your kid, somehow failing as a mother. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I just want to kind of like uh, blow that out of the water because, um, you know, like in my household, how does how do things look? Well, you know, the kids, the kids wake up on time. We um, have a really good schedule. They never fall behind. They're um, asking great questions. They let us know whenever they need help. They're never distracted. On a good day, on a good day, Lisa, <laughs> on a bad day, it is an absolute mess. And <laughs> the, you know, the message of hope for the Catholic family isn't that the family itself is some kind of utopia that is this Instagram perfect perfect uh, photoshopped kind of image of the family. It is that it is an absolute mess and it is an absolute struggle for all of us. And that the the beauty and the power of it is that God, um, when we trust him and invite him in, in his divine mercy, enters, right? And especially when we pray to Mary, he's going to enter and he's going to elevate that. And out of that big mess in the big struggle and all the challenges, he is going to literally lift one of the most powerful and awesome things in the world. This family, these amazing young people who are going to be formed and not any big um, effort out there, not any big cause or external campaign nothing like that will ever equal it, that this family, this mess, God's going to elevate it and it is going to transform our church and it is going to transform our world more than just about anything else. Mm, amen and amen. And everybody, we have to take a quick sponsor break to hear from wonderful Homeschool Connections, but we will be right back talking about the Catholic model for family and parenting with the wonderful Tom Weishar. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast. Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now, back to our program. All right, everybody, we're back with the Catholic Model for Family and Parenting with Tom Weishar. And we were just hearing from just that passionate place, that place that is so ignited with hope, uh, that place where we trust that God, you know, completes what we leave unfinished and, and can elevate everything that we give to Him, that, that our mess and our struggles and our trust in Him, and know that he, the victory is His. He's fighting our battles right in there with us and for us. Uh, so appreciate that clarity of vision, Tom. Oh, praise God. Praise God. And I, I do want to add to that um, just uh, a random uh, homeschool connections note that I know Maureen and Walter so well, and they have amazing blossoming families themselves. They very much authentically um, Catholic parent and homeschool connections isn't just a source for online homeschooling. As far as I'm concerned, it is the source for um, online homeschooling. And time and time again, they've got the fruits to show for it. Oh, I'm so proud of what they do. And Maureen and Walter in my book are saints. I love them dearly. And you're absolutely right. The way they serve has been really elevated by God. And and we can take, and, and that connects right with what you're saying. Mm. Um, so have we gone through the three principles? I've a little bit lost track. Need you to guide me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, so I think we've definitely covered um, loving discipleship um for the rituals of family connection you know we're we're praying together we're talking together um working together 
and playing together. And um, prayer is the beginning. It's the, the foundation of all things, you know, to pray before, during, and after. I've noted times and time and time again as a counselor that the clients who blossom the most um, by a landslide, prayer is everywhere. And that's what's the reservoir that drives their healing. That's the reservoir that's going to drive everything that goes on in your family. And that's where it starts. It's got to be at the center. You know, the whole idea of the liturgy of domestic church life is that uh, the faith, right, the spirituality and the Eucharist in a, a very tangible way is at the very center, not just of, of some things, but of everything that's happening in that household um, day in and day out. So prayer is really um, the, uh, the starting point. You know, we've talked about talking in the, um, the important conversations um, that you can have. Um, working is a surprising element that needs, that the Catholic Church says, needs to be occurring in the household. And um, we can't have a household where the children, in an age-appropriate way, are not um, invited into daily chores and tasks. And it is really, really important because um, when a child does chores and tasks, they're getting a good sense of responsibility and accountability. But on a much deeper level, they're getting something really, really crucial because they're saying, I'm working, you know, especially for the girls, I'm working alongside mom. And for the boys, I'm working alongside dad. And they see um, us, you know, this is this is the responsibility that God gives to parents. They see the mother as the face of Mary to them. Everyone does on some emotional deeper level. They see the father as the very face of God, the father in heaven to them. So spiritually, they're they're entering into this, this sense of relationship, working side by side and getting a sense of approval and love and celebration, which on the level of connection um, is essential. And I can't tell you how many times I've talked to older older Catholics, um, everything from just out of college to 70 and 80 year olds who are still struggling with it, that they say, I can't I can't connect with Mary or I can't connect. I don't I don't feel like they intellectually get Mary loves them more than anything. And God, the father loves them more than anything. But they enter into prayer and they say, I just feel no connection with Mary. I just feel no connection with God, the father in heaven. Well. What was what was going on in your household? I asked them when they were growing up. And it was this, that they they weren't in good, healthy, positive relationship with mom and dad. And even working alongside them really helps build that. Now, there's another side of things, too, on the mental health side, that the mother is also the image of femininity to the child. And the father is the very image of masculinity. And when they're working side by side and they have a sense we did this together, a little girl is literally saying, I'm succeeding as a woman right now. I'm not all the way, but I'm starting to do it. And I can do this. I can go through this process of, of step, 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 stepping and becoming a woman. And for the, the boys, I'm succeeding uh, in a masculine way toward being a man now and step, 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 I know I can get there. And um, again, I've talked to countless people where um, they they either weren't invited into the work in the first place or when they were, it's there's nothing wrong with parents helping out and even offering some construction and coaching, but where they they just totally feel rejected there. Um, I mean, I, I can't tell you how, how deep that wound is. Um, it is it is so deep, and I talk to so many people who struggle with it. Um, so um, we have the the praying, the talking, the working, and the playing together. You know, and again, that takes us back to those those rituals of family connection, where um, you know the Catholic the Catholic Church says this. This is a very I'm I'm lucky that you have more of a homeschooling audience, so this isn't as unpopular as as <laughs> it is in some circles. You know, I there was a, a priest once who told me. He preached on all the hot button issues of the day, and then he preached on what I'm about to talk about, and he got more pushback on it than he did on anything else. That that 
Families are too overbooked today. And when they think of play, they think of, I'm going to book my kid in a boatload of extracurricular activities. And that is totally not the Catholic vision. The Catholic vision for play is that it's, you know, it's okay to have one or two extracurriculars. Don't get me wrong. But, but the vision is that it's happening together as a family. We're bonding, we're learning, and we're loving together as a family. Wow. Wow. So that just to to put some images in minds of listeners can be anything from um, doing puzzles together to riding bicycles to what else comes to mind, Tom? What are some ways a family can authentically play together? Oh, so good. So good. You know, it really um, depends on the personality and it does look radically different depending on the family. So we have everything from um, the physical and the outdoors, you know, hiking, walking, exercising together. Um, you can do a, a light sports activity outside to the indoors, doing the uh, the crafting, um, puzzles, games. Um, you know, you can, uh, um, if you're into music, you can dance together. If you're into art, you can paint together. Um, you know, it uh, it really doesn't matter that much so long as everybody's there everybody's um um uh, you know having fun um if it's if it's outdoors it's fun if it's kind of like a little interactive in some way and then um if it's indoors what's really important is the imagination's getting in there mm, love that love that so much my niece my godchild is Gosh, she's married with a big family up in Canada living on a farm. And one of their big recreational activities is everybody gets out their instruments. And the little ones are dancing with abandon in this big farmhouse kitchen while everyone else is playing their instruments and tapping their toes and singing and laughing and having a ball. So uh, to me, that's an ideal image. And not all of us are in that environment or have those particular talents, but they've discovered it for themselves. That's that's a way that they play. Amen. Amen. And it's there have definitely been times where it looks very much like that in my family, where I break out the uh, I was in the World Percussion Ensemble in college. And I break out the mini bongos. So I got the little kitty bongos and I've, I'd play them. And my youngest guy used to dance around and jump up and down on the, the couch. And we'd all sing together. Another great one that I love. This is so Catholic. And I, I totally owe this to my wife. This is so good. I would never come up with this. The, um, I, on, uh, on Mardi Gras for fat, for fat Tuesday, we do a special ritual where she has all kinds of, um, songs. Um, that are kind of like fun dance folk songs and she plays them and we all dance around and Aww. we all we all go absolutely crazy and it's like the most <laughs> over the top thing ever and then just like in uh, New Orleans when it hits midnight and uh, and uh, you know they they literally shut down Bourbon Street you know right at right at midnight We'll we'll just choose that time where it's at the end and we're all totally exhausted. And it's kind of like, all right, now we're all gonna be now we're all gonna be quiet. And now the the season's season's gonna begin. But I, I love that mm. one in particular because um there's so much joy, so much bonding, so much beauty there. And then and then we're right in step with the Catholic Church. And you know, is that Pope St. John Paul II's vision? Is that Greg Popcheck's vision? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I I remember seeing an image of St. John Paul II visiting a South American country, and the young girls were dressed in their traditional regalia and doing a festive dance of welcome for him. Mm. And the the peaceful, beaming love of the Father that there was in his face, receiving their hearts in that beautiful presentation of who they were and what was beautiful to them and what was celebratory for them uniquely was just so precious. I could just see that, you know, and it was a kind of dancing I wouldn't necessarily do in front of a priest. You know what I'm saying? Like they're really going wild and, and, and shaking it up, but he, he was receiving their hearts, you know, and I, and I feel like 
that's something that we need to be able to see that the, the the eye of the heart sees when it it's mature spiritually that we can excuse me <clears throat> we can appreciate that kind of abandon the innocence of that abandon mm-hmm. of that celebration of that joy amen and um you know it makes me think of david in front of the ark of the covenant key type of mary in and the, he got uh, criticized in the for Testament, that right <laughs> dancing and and praising just totally Totally, totally praising. Of course, we got Mary in her Magnificat too. Just totally, totally praising. Um, and um, the I think that is such a good point that um, um, there's um, um, one like one thing that struck you was truth, beauty, and goodness, right? And what we're really talking about is the truth, beauty, and goodness, which could be the top thing you hear about with homeschooling, like when you're living the liturgy of domestic church life. Um, that um, uh, truth, beauty, and goodness is woven in, you know, to take the image of the mess of the family. Um, uh, the great Chaput writes about this, um, in, uh, things worth dying for that. There's a, uh, a giant tapestry in one of the, uh, great churches. And when you approach it from behind, all you see is this tremendous mess that all the yarns of thread and all the tangles and snags. And then you walk out to the front and you see this beautiful tapestry. And what the liturgy of domestic church life does is it takes that truth, beauty, and goodness, and it weaves it into every fabric of your family life. And another awesome way to build on something you were talking about there is that it also elevates the family because when you're in step with um, the, the liturgy of domestic church life, then what is happening is with your entire family life, you are praising God. And Father Mike Schmitz has something very powerful to say about that. Oh, Father Mike, I like to call him America's priest. What he says is praising God, that's the highest form of human expression. And do you want that for your family? I sure want it for mine. Mm, and I've heard too. I don't. I can't quote anything specific. That praise is actually spiritually powerful and can drive evil out of your presence. Praising uh, God, Ed. just extolling the goodness of God, is powerful. Amen. Amen. Let's let's scare the the bad out. Let's usher the good in. You know. And I I think that's so much of what uh, what Mary does in the Magnificat. That there's this raw praise this raw offering to God. And it, um, you know, she's immaculate. It, uh, it drives out all evil. And the devil is particularly frightened by her. And she is, she is our life, our sweetness, and our hope because, because she is just a human. She is just a human. And she praises God perfectly. And she cr- she doesn't just beat the devil. She crushes him. She crushes that worm and he can't stand it more <laughs> than anything. What I love to say about it is two things. That casting out evil, it's a two, two-step process. That I pray to my mother and she steps on its head. The other, the other thing that I love to, to say about it is um, that every morning, the devil wakes up with a headache and that's from Mary's foot. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, Tom, this is also beautiful and, and in a sense, organic, this place of parental authority and listening and drawing out and playfulness and, and uh, a place of hope and naturalness Mm -hmm. in which we can have our messy lives unfolding like the back of that tapestry and trust that God is making a beautiful picture. Um, We won't probably see it clearly till we get to heaven, but we will notice the fruits. We will receive encouragements along the way. For those of us who are listening to this and maybe are really deep in the weeds and aren't sure where to begin, what would be a Mm. first step to just start to move into a more Catholic vision for our families? Oh, that's that's such a good question. You know, I I think the first step is to uh, acknowledge it and to become aware of it and to perhaps most importantly, become aware that it's okay. It is it is 
okay. Everyone struggles. And to know that there are great resources out there and there are great communities out there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the Melissa Immaculata, um, Mary's Franciscan Army. You know, feel free to, to check us out. It looks like Militia Immaculata. Um, you know, you could be one prayer. Anybody out there, you could be one prayer from uh, joining the greatest army in heaven and on earth, Mary's Army. Um, that, that's just a plug for the queen there. But, um, <laughs> but I am, I am, I'll, I'll always go all, all out. Um, the, uh, but, um, to have this sense of like, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm struggling. That's okay. There are resources and the Muizia is a great spiritual resource. Um, beyond that though, um, there are communities, community, again, being a, a, a big Franciscan, uh, principle of Franciscan spirituality, um, a great one, our Catholic home app, right? Greg and Lisa Popcheck have um, uh, gone out there and they uh, created this amazing community. It's a Catholic home, Catholic H-O-M. And um, in it, there are thousands of families coming together, learning skills if they need to. Anywhere where you feel like you're struggling, it's a great place where you can comfortably, privately, uh, in a lot of ways, um, really learn a lot of good skills and then be supported. Um, Have forms where you're mentored where over time, as you're getting better and better, you can mentor other people. Um, so whether you're looking to mentor, whether you want to be mentored, both, there's this tremendous sense of community in the Catholic home app, but there's also this sense of mission that we all crave for, Lisa. And, um, you know, I, I, I've told you this story before, but I, I, it's so important that my wife and I have heard um, mothers say like, hey, you know, when I'm done parenting, this is the big external thing I want to do for um, the the Catholic Church and to build it. And um, our reaction is, no, you're you're missing it. You're missing it. You're doing the most important thing right now. And in the Catholic Home App, there is a movement toward renewing the church, renewing the um, society by um, renewing your domestic church in the first society. And it all starts with your family. So you can join that movement over at Catholic Home in the Catholic Home app. Um, other great resources though, beyond um, beyond um, the family, the, the parish is the next most fundamental unit in the church. And so I really encourage people to reach out to their parish. If their parish doesn't have things for, for the family, I encourage you to go to your pastor and to try and start something. You should be encouraged in that. Last thing I'm gonna mention, homeschooling co-ops that, um, what do people always say about homeschooling? Oh, you can't do that because your children won't get socialized. Well, there are a lot of things that blow that out of the water, but a big one are homeschooling co-ops. You reach out to that co-op, you're going to find great community, great support. The children are going to bond with other children. The parents are going to bond with other uh, parents. We have an amazing co-op here in Steubenville. Sarah Jones and other mothers here do such an amazing job. St. Joseph Co-op, I love it, but they're certainly not the only one. They're out there nationwide. So check out your local co-op too. Mm, wonderful, wonderful, Tom. Thank you so much for your passion for this topic. Everybody go to uh, Pastoral Solutions um, and that's, uh, I'm sorry, uh, catholiccounselors.com. I've got a link where you can reach out and you can find Tom and others there who can offer support. But look at Tom Weishar, uh, the Catholic Home App. We've got that link as well. Um, just so good and so rich, Tom. Thank you in the midst of a really, really busy life for taking time with us today. Can't really, um, what a shot in the arm. Amen. Thank you so much, Lisa. And I've got one last big thing. By the way, catholiccounselors.com. Do check us out if you need actual counseling. It's so funny. We get so fired up about all our work with the family that we hardly even mention the fact that we're counselors. But if you need any mental health counseling, um, or pastoral counseling, especially catholiccounselors.com. But um, but the one last uh, thought I want to leave you with, and I saved, yes. I, I saved a big finale for you, Lisa. Get the shark <laughs> out. I'm going to jump it a second time. I've already answered the million dollar question. How do we safeguard our family against the hot button issues of our time? I'm going to answer this ages old question. What do women want? And I'll tell you as a couples counselor, time and time again, I've seen couples arguing and fighting over all kinds of things, different ages, different ethnicities, different walks of life. 
um, and um, um, they're fighting about different things. But on the underlying level, the conflict is all driven by one thing. The wife is not the top priority in her husband's heart above all other things. So husbands out there, I want you to go to your wives and say to them, you are the top priority in my heart above everything else. And if you have any doubt over whether your wife is your top priority, I want you to ask her. And if she says you're prioritizing something else above her, I want you to get your priorities in order. And you can ask her this question that's going to transform your marriage. What are, your, what are your top three needs and how can I meet them? What are your top three needs and how can I meet them? Remember, guys, your wife is the queen of your family. Treat her like it. Woof. Okay. Uh, every lady listening just went, oh, timestamp. Got to play this for my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Do it, ladies. Yeah. yeah. Crank it up. Crank it up. This is your resource. And, and, and amen to that because that importance, being important to our husbands, changes everything. It really does. And it's a beautiful example to the children. And, and it helps them to honor Our Lady and to put all things in their proper perspective. And of course, wives, I will say to you, the thing that I hear the most in terms of what's not going well is maybe not modeling enough respect for dad in the home. Um, try to keep, uh, you know, try to keep your words gentle, uh, build him up call out his servant leadership in whatever form it takes. If he's shy, fine. Let him lead in his own way as an example of as a good man. Don't pick him apart. And and so if we can uphold our husband's dignity, uh, ask God to bless his leadership in our homes every day. Just cherish him. Cherish him. He needs oh. it and he deserves it. That's so good, Lisa. That is exactly, <laughs> exactly it. You know, that is, I, I, uh, there's nothing worse for a husband than to feel disrespected in his own home. And there is no greater honor for him than to feel that respect. And I'll tell you, there was even one time one of my children was saying something really disrespectful to me. And my wife stepped in and said, that's your father you're talking to. And this, this house of yours, so many of these things, he worked so hard to provide it. So whenever you talk to him, you need to be talking to him with respect. And I'll tell you, Lisa, that's a thing I like to call confirmation that I chose a keeper. <laughs> you chose a keeper, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> amen, amen. And and everybody, be of good cheer. God can overcome so much if we humble ourselves, confess our sins, and keep being there for each other. Keep keep at it. Don't give up. And Tom, thank you for infusing this conversation with so much hope and energy and love and, and really appreciate what you're doing out there at uh, catholiccounselors.com and at catholichome.com. Um, and everybody do reach out to Tom. And I'll also find um, Archbishop Chaput's book and put that in the link as well. So um, have a wonderful day, everybody. Thanks for being with us, Tom. God bless you and your family and all that you're doing. Praise God and thanks to Mary. Thanks so much for having me, Lisa. It's always a blast. It is a joy. We got to do it again soon. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. God bless you. Pray for us. We're praying for you too. Bye-bye now. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.